Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, one hundred four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers. And Houston Astros. The you can watch us on the simulcast stadium thirty two point three, one thirty three on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is seven oh six oh one 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 seven oh six oh one one one. If um you would like to get in, discuss Major League Baseball, college football, the NFL, whatever you'd like. The first hour is going to be the time to do it. The second hour will be very interview heavy. We will have our daily report from Atlanta, SEC Media Days with RP3. Also talking to Michael Schwab about the Astros, and we've got lots to talk about. Like, it's impossible that we could all do all this in one segment. We'll get as much in as we can, and then really, we, you know, Michael and I could probably sit here for two hours and talk about everything there is to talk about with the Astros, but that's just not reality so 10 o'clock hour we'll, we'll be talking sec football and the astros in the first hour whatever you would like really uh i i did end up i didn't end up watching the, a, lot, a lot of the home run derby not all of it certainly didn't see all of it not as much as i do in some years but i i saw a good portion of it and it's it, it's kind of like college football national championships were for most of my life. Yeah, you won, but did you really win? I mean, it's just like you know this this whole idea. Like some teams, some players have such an advantage. Like it's such an advantage to go second. It's such an advantage in that competition to play some donkey in the first round and only need 16 or 17 homers. And then you can just rest and you don't have to extend yourself. But if you hit 63 homers like Julio Rodriguez did in the first two rounds, then you don't have as much left. You know, it's it's really not that complicated. I, I think in the first round, in the first round, everyone should compete. And whoever hits the four most homers goes to the next round. Like you shouldn't, you know, if 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 you're competing against someone who hits eight homers and all you got to do is hit nine, why should you advance? I, I, now, I guess if you want in the semifinal round, but why, why do you need these little matchups? It it just seems silly, especially if you're going to celebrate. I mean, obviously, it's it's a huge. I mean, Juan Soto he celebrated a little too much for my taste, but anyway, um, especially since this other cat hit more home runs than him. And again, it's all strategy. I'm not saying he did anything wrong. He didn't. It's the setup. He didn't create the rules. But they 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 got it's it's kind of silly the way they do it. They gotta 
just let everybody hit. Whoever has the foremost, put them in the semis. And I don't even know why you need to have matchups after that. Just all four of them hit. Whoever has the two most goes in the finals. And then whoever has the, then you go down to two, whoever has the most wins. I mean, it just seems more fair. You don't get this. It's a huge advantage to go second. And it's, I don't know. I don't know why they do it that way, but they've got some kind of way of doing it. By the way, I'm sure there's a lot of people around the country who are all upset because apparently they have this rule now that if the all-star game tonight is tied after nine innings, then they're going to have a home run derby to Then they're going to have a home run derby to settle the winner. That that's first of all, that's silly. Second of all, just tie. Like it's an exhibition game. And look, I grew up in the era where when where the baseball all star game was huge. Like they really didn't like each other. They really, really wanted to win. But the once you once you brought interleague play in, and you have same umpires doing the same. Back then, you had American League umpires, you had National League umpires, you had American League rules, you had National League rules, you had American League commissioner and a National League commissioner. It was separate, and so it 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 it, it was just. It's different now. It's all once they brought interleague play, there are advantages and disadvantages. But one of the things that's just not the same is the All Star Game. Now, again, the thing that's so interesting about the All Star Game is the incredible dominance of respect. Like when I was growing up, the National League won almost every year, like just about every year of my lifetime. When I, I mean, until I became an adult. The, the National League won. The National League completely dominated. Well, now it's the other way. The American League just, they win every year. Just, I mean, there's a few exceptions here and there, but for the most part, they win every year. It's amazing how that is. How, I mean, I'm talking about over two decades of just dominance. You know, and you would think that it wouldn't be that way with the way it is now, but it is. And so... I um I I grew up a National League guy. They extorted the Astros to the American League, and I was still pulling for I've all, I've never pulled for the American League in an All Star game. Um, I don't know. I don't know where I am now. It's like it's it it the whole National League thing is kind of lost its luster. So. I don't. I don't know that it matters anymore to win the All Star game. I mean, I mean, at some point, you, you, I'm not saying they're not trying to succeed, but I don't think they care that much whether they win the All Star game or not. So, I, I, you know, when they had the was it in Cincinnati when they had the tie and everybody just lost their mind. I'm like, it's a, it's an All Star game. It's an exhibition. We we got interleague play. Like all of that 
old NL you know versus AL stuff, most of that you lost most of that when you when you started playing each other all the time. I, I just um, and now next year you're gonna have whatever they call the new way of scheduling, equitable scheduling or whatever, where you're gonna you're gonna play everyone every year. That like now you play everyone in your league and you play some teams in the other league. Well, next year you're going to play everyone. So the schedule is going to be more, well, you know, you won't go like when the Mets came to New York to Houston this year, it was the first time in like six years or something that the Mets had ever been to Houston. See, years ago when the, when it was the way it was for all, most of my child, all of my childhood, it was cool. The all part of the reason why the All Star Game was cool, especially if it was in your town, is you never saw the stars from the other league. I mean, think about it. If you if you were an American League team, and I don't know, pick a National League star from yesteryear, Bob Gibson, or um, you know, whoever. You know, say say in this era, Albert Pujols played his whole career with the Cardinals. And we had the rules the way it used to be. You, you, you could, for an entire 20-year career, like Stan Musial, he never played in an American League city. He's an all-time Hall of Fame, you know. You could go, a guy A guy could be one of the great players of all time, and other than an all-star game, that was your only time that he would ever be in your city to play. You would never see him play other than on TV. And so that was um, one of the cool things. And I think, I'm not saying it's the number one or even the number two reason, but I think that's one of the byproducts of, Doing the scheduling like they're going to do it next year, to where you're going to see, you're going to see all the stars come through your town a lot more frequently. Of course, now everybody you know goes all over the place, so you see it more anyway. But I don't know how much I'll see at the All Star Game tonight. We'll see. Um, again, I was very glad there were no Astros. I wish there were some Yankees. I mean, the Yankees normally like to spotlight. They're the big glamour outfit. How come they didn't have anybody in the All-Star game last night? Maybe they're not worried about MVPs for a change. That's that's not a good thing. I, I, I like when the Yankees are focused on who wins the MVP. That's a that's a good thing for them to focus on. So maybe, maybe they're not as focused on that. That, that, that. That's not a good thing. Things are fixing to change, folks. I, 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 um, you know, part of the re- part of the reason why there are a lot of reasons why it's silly having favorites to go to the World Series right now. No, we're in a betting society, but but really, it doesn't mean as much until after the trade deadline. Then you can start saying, okay, this is what they got. You still got to stay healthy and you still got to play well and all that. But you have a much better idea. Like, um, you know, all the Juan Soto talk. 
It's fascinating. Juan Soto passed out, what was it, a 15-year, $440 million contract? For most people, you say, well, that's crazy. How can you pass up that? Well, you didn't really pass it up. Someone else is going to give him a lot of money. But it's stupid to sign someone to a 15-year contract. I'm sorry. That's just, I would, I would pass that up too. Why do you want to stay in a dead-end organization if you have the option to not stay in a dead-end organization for 15 years? No, that's stupid. Look, these these eight, ten-year contracts, hardly not, have any of them ever worked? Now, the difference between that Juan Soto and, like, some of these other contracts, Soto's only 23 years old. So, you know, an I wouldn't have any issue with an eight-year contract for a guy like Soto, who's arguably the best hitter in the game, and he's only 23. Um, Maybe 10, but 15. Who knows what's going to happen six, seven, eight years from now? Like, what are the Padres going to do with Tatis if this guy's hurt every year? They signed this guy to this man. I don't understand why they do this stuff. It just, there's just no empirical proof that that works. Now, with that said, and we're going to discuss this with Michael Schwab when he comes on in the next hour. If the Astros want to trade for Juan Soto, I'm all for it. Now, I'm not all for a 15-year contract. I'd be up for a seven- or eight-year contract. For a guy who's 23 years old and he might be the best hitter in the game. He's certainly one of the top three or four. And he's only 23. And so you got a reasonable chance that he'll still be, I mean, he'll be right in the prime of his career eight years from now at 31. The problem is what happens if he has this awful injury two years into it? I mean, there are no guarantees, so you got... But again, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to sign a 31-year-old or a 30-year-old outfielder to an 8-year contract. But a 15-year contract, that's just that's just craziness. I mean, you I mean, 3 years into it, the the guy's career could be over and then you got to pay him for 10 years all that money. It's just crazy. I I don't know why it it, 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 so I don't blame him for signing him and I think he kind of did the Nationals a favor by not signing but um, I I I don't I would hope well I really really hope if the Astros get in on it and, and it you keep hearing that you know they might uh, but if a, if a contending team you know the Punks or the Yankees or the Astros get in on it I I would be surprised if they go more than ten years now the Mets nothing would surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me at all if, the, if he goes to the Mets and they give him one of these twelve to fifteen year deals because they're just they're they're playing Monopoly right now. They're not in the real world right now. The Mets they're trying to play Monopoly, and so um, nothing that the Mets would do right now would surprise me because they they got all this brand new money and they're just you know they're in still in that giddy stage. I mean they're going to pay the piper for that of you know soon here. They're going to make a couple bad ones, and they're going to, it's going to really hurt them. But right now, they're just throwing out money like it's nothing. 
And so um, we'll see how that plays out. But no, I I think Soto's worth a lot. I think he's very good. I mean, you look at his numbers. He He's done some things already in his career that I don't know that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Like, you know, you're talking about on-base percentages of almost 500. Other than Barry Bonds in that steroid era, I haven't seen that kind of stuff in my lifetime. And so it he's he's got some special skills, no question. And so I would love for the Astros to get him. I just don't know that the Astros are willing to give up what it takes to give him to get him. And that's one of the how much would you give up is one of the things we'll talk to Michael about in the ten o'clock hour. For now, we'll take a timeout and come back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. All righty. She threw me a curveball. You know I cannot hit the curveball. I can't hit the curveball like. You got to catch it then. I'll hit it. Catch oh, it. man. I can't, <laughs> most of the time, I can't even fall it off. Welcome back to Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, would like to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. All you have to do is join our brand new text club. If you do so, uh, to do so, you just have to text GAME to 283-8100. Text GAME to 283-8100. That will put make you eligible to win the new Apple Watch as well as many other prizes, including Astro tickets. Find out more about the GAME text club at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com today. All right. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We talked about the home run derby and the Juan Soto contract. The other thing that we've heard or I've heard since I left the show yesterday, this notion that Deshaun Watson is going to sue the NFL if he gets suspended for the season. Man, that sounds like trouble. It does not sound like a good plan. You know, one of the things, one of the things that I've thought about, you know, I was not happy when Casper DeQuitter decided to quit. By the way, all you people who don't think he quit, all the reports now are that next season he's going to be coaching somewhere. So all of this, um, oh, coach, what a great thing. And, oh, you did a – I mean, he did a great job. Not arguing that. But this idea, like giving him all of this retirement tr- treatment, he didn't retire. He quit. I mean, that's what he did. 
Casper the Quitter. But anyway, two good things could come out of that. One of them is the Saints could get some draft picks, which I'm all for. And two, and here's where it le- getting back to the Deshaun Watson situation. Two, I'm hoping <clears throat> that Cat. Casper to quitter quitting gets the Saints off of the NFL Shaw's list. No, gets the Saints. The Saints don't look at that the NFL will no longer, without Casper to quitter in the organization, that this that the NFL will no longer look at the Saints at like Pete Rozelle's looked at the Raiders. No longer will the Saints be the bad guy that the NFL hates. Maybe the Cleveland Browns will become that team that the NFL hates. I mean, I'm just throwing. I don't care who it is as long as it's not the Saints. But uh, I don't know. The Cleveland Browns are right now the most unpopular team in the NFL. Let's put it that way. Among all the owners. Because they signed Deshaun Watson to that crazy contract. All the other NFL owners are not happy with the Browns. Now, if not only did they sign him to this crazy contract, but if he sues the NFL... I don't know. I think uh, all the all the owners hating them, and now they're suing them. I think maybe the Cleveland Browns will be the new Raiders of the NFL. I, I'm, I I didn't like being that, so I'm 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 done with that. So again, uh, you know, Casper quitting. Those could be two of the best things that come out of it. Now, most of the national analysts. have this idea because Casper's not there that the Saints are not going to be good. I mean, how can you be good if Casper the quitter's not on your team? Um, And again, I like him. I didn't want to, I wanted him to, to ride out until the very end, just like Drew Brees did. Because I appreciate everything he did for the Saints. But again, no player is above the organization. He, his little hero is Stalin and Stalin left and all that. I mean, it's just silliness. That's awful. So he adheres to all of Stalin's little sayings. Silliness. And uh, and so he quit. And who knows where he's going to go. Everyone says the Cowboys. You know, there's some people that that are speculating the Chargers, if Staley and the Chargers don't live up to expectation. I could see him there. I'd be all for that. Don't have to play him much. That would be interesting. But um, this Miami thing, I just this fascination with the Dolphins and Casper the Quitter and Tom Brady is just weird to me. They're still talking about Tom Brady going to play for the Dolphins. They just got a quarterback. They just got a new head coach. 
And they're, I mean, they just, I mean, he's the most unhead coach looking guy I've ever seen, ever. Just Cat McDaniel. I've never seen a guy that looks less like an NFL coach than the Dolphins coach. But he's the, you just hired him. And they're already talking about bringing Casper in as their coach next year with Tom Brady as the quarterback. That is bizarre. Really weird to me. Very strange. But, no, I, I hope that the Cleveland, I mean, that, I mean, that does not sound like a good move to me. Now, I get why Deshaun Watson, who sat out all of this year, didn't want to sit out all the next year, but he had to know that that's very possible to happen. I mean, this can't be a surprise. Man, I hope the Saints are no longer the bad guys in the NFL eyes. Because that that 2019 season, bitterness of getting cheated as bad as they did that year, it's going to be a while before that leaves me. Uh, The Saints are due some breaks from the league, from the breaks, you know, from the, the bounce of the ball, and from injuries. Hopefully, if they get those breaks this year, this year can be what last year could have been even better. Because the rosters, I mean, it was really good last year. It's even better this year. And if they can get some breaks and not long, no longer be the bad guys in the league, I'm all for that. I guess that would be worth it. I guess that will make that and getting draft picks will make Casper quitting a little more um, swallowable, which is not a word, but hopefully you know what I mean. You can swallow the the reality of it a whole lot easier. I mean, in many ways, I've already moved on. I still think he's, you know, I'm still going to call him Casper the quitter for the rest of his life. But um, that's okay. It might, it might actually help the Saints in the long run. Absolutely, it might. And starting hopefully with this year. Hopefully, hopefully the Cleveland Browns become the new Oakland Raiders. I think it's, a, like I said, the whole, all the owners already hate him. Mad at him, and now the NFL, which is an effect. I'm talking about the NFL office, which is an effect, is the owners in many ways. Uh, Goodell and all of them will hate him too if they actually sue the league. So I'm all for that. That sounds good. Let's make that happen. Right now, my number one concern with Deshaun Watson from a football perspective is that he doesn't play against the Saints and the Saints can find a way to beat the Cleveland Browns who absolutely own the Saints. And so I just want to beat the Cleveland Browns. What is that? On New Year's Day, I think they play him. Either that or Christmas Eve. One of those days, right at the end of the year, if I remember the schedule correctly. And then they got to play the Eagles. Man, it can't beat the Eagles. Have no, have no idea how to stop the Eagles. None. The Saints. Hopefully, I don't know how they could do it, but some kind of way. They need to watch the film and figure out how to beat the Eagles because they have not been able to do it. You think the Eagles will ever play in the Superdome again? Or is it like some new rule? Kind of like the Saints were with the Bears for a while. Got to play in Chicago every year. Hopefully sometime in, in, in the near future, the Eagles actually come back to New Orleans. Saints normally do pretty well against the Eagles in New Orleans. In Philly, they get blasted. Every time they just get blasted. Unbelievable. 
play Philly, oh, you get blasted. Nightmare game after nightmare game. It's unbelievable. Always get blasted in Philly. I have to look that up. When was the last time the Saints won at Philly? The Super Bowl year, I think that was at Philly when the uh, serial rapist picked off the pass and ran it 90-something yards for a touchdown. I think that one was at Philly, the Super Bowl year. And then they won at Philly. (coughs) In the playoff game for the only road playoff win (coughs) uh, with one of the greatest, 10 greatest plays in NFL, in Saints history, where it was second and 11 trailing midway through the fourth quarter. And they ran the ball up the middle with Kerry Robinson and he got 13 yards. I still can't believe that happened. Still cannot believe that happened. One of my favorite 10 plays in Saint history. Anyway, Speaking of all that and the Saints and what is it going to be like this year, I know I need to stop doing this. I need, what I need to do is stop listening to what anybody thinks about the Saints because it's been driving me crazy since last March because I think everybody is – just about everybody I've heard and read is way off base. But I read it again yesterday. Some commentary about this, the prospects for the Saints season. And one of the comments was something like, well, there's hope that it's going to be a better off. They're going to offense is going to be a little better than it was last year. What? (laughs) I I, I just. They're just going to drive me bonkers. Like, of course it's going to be better. Does anybody realize what the the obstacles the offense faced last season? Does anybody know that? Like, anybody in the world besides me? Like, why do people keep saying, oh, the offense was bad? Well, of course it was bad. It Some games it didn't even have coaches. Some games it didn't have any offensive line. The quarterback... You know, what did they play? Four quarterbacks. The offensive line was decimated. Uh, you know, they had no wide receivers. I mean, wh- it, it's it's unbelievable. How can people say and write these things? Like, of course it was bad last year. Of course it's going to be better. They could have made zero changes and just had last year's roster healthy, and it will be a market improvement. I, I I I just does anybody not real does anybody realize the players that they put on the field last season? Does anybody know this? That uh, I am not ready for football season because I the more that we talk about it, the more it drives me crazy because everyone says stupid junk, just dumb junk, like stupid. What are you talking about? Well, there's some reason to believe that the Saints might actually be better offensively because they were just so bad last year. You people just kill me, man. Just kill me. All right. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is your home for the Houston Astros. 
Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, and the rest of the Astros are looking to get back to the World Series. You can listen at every pitch, hit, and thrilling victory as Robert Ford and Steve Sparks will be on the call. Tune in all season long for Astros baseball right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the footlish dictionary. Old tucktail. Tucktail. Noun. A former NFL coach who put his tail between his legs and went back to college where it's easier to win. Also known as Nick Saban. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foot and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. Want to remind you, we've been telling you about the brand new text club. Well, Here's a first example of something besides the Apple Watch that you could win from the New Text Club, and that is getting to see comedian Burt Kreischer. He'll be live in person at the Cajun Home on September the 16th. If you would like to win tickets to see this comedian that you probably have seen on TV specials or on podcasts, it's real easy. You need to text Burt. That's B-E-R-T. Not B-U-R-T, BERT, B-E-R-T, to 283-8100. Text B-E-R-T to 283-8100. That puts you eligible to win tickets to see Burt Kreischer live at the Cajun Home, courtesy of the game's text club. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111, as we... We've talked a little bit about the home run derby and Juan Soto won and um, a lot, it, it, he is going to be in the center of baseball discussion for the next week or two because so many people are convinced in the that he's going to get traded from the Nationals. Um, is he going to do the cowardly thing and go play for the Punks or the Yankees? I hope not. I mean... Um, you know, I don't think that's good for baseball at all. Wouldn't shock me if he went to the Mets. You know, the, again, the Mets are playing Monopoly right now. We'll see how long that lasts and how that works for him. He's a great, great player. I would, I would love for the Astros to get him. I just don't really believe the Astros would be willing to give him. The Astros are not. I mean, in terms of level of success, they're on that level. But if you notice how the Astros do it, they don't pay their, you know, they don't pay these mega long term contracts, and so they've never they've never really done that. So I don't, I, I would surprise if they if they break that trend with him. Although he's twenty three years old, so if you're going to break it with someone, he's the guy to do it with. We'll see how that plays out, and we look forward to the All Star Game tonight. Um, you know. I I I don't. I'm glad Verlander's not pitching. Uh, I'm glad El Perro Grande is not playing. I'm glad Altuve's not playing. I I think it'll be kind of cool to see Icky. Um, 
Hopefully he has a good at bat. He he's actually been really struggling lately at the plate. So we'll see how he how he does tonight. We'll see how that plays out. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. Good morning, sir. Uh, I hate to uh to burst your bubble, but uh the NFL's gonna always hate the New Orleans Saints. Why do you think that? You know, just like the I mean, it's just they never gonna like the New Orleans Saints. They I don't know what it is. But I mean, they don't like the Saints to uh, succeed, and uh, I think that's just going to always be how it is, you know. But I think uh, it, I think it. Why don't you think it's possible that it's it's Casper the Quitter that they really hated? Uh, I don't think they hate Casper the Quitter. I mean, they're going to like him a lot more when it goes to my Dallas Cowboys. You know, I mean, yet you may hear that he that Georgians might be into, but I'm a. Uh, He's gonna end up with the Dallas Cowboys. I got ain't no doubt in my mind. He's gonna now if Jerry Jones is gonna let him coach it, that's a different story for another day. Cause uh, you know how he likes to run the the organization from the press box. You know he don't want to give up the reins. But uh, but why you want to call Sean Payton a, a quitter, man? He brought y'all your only Super Bowl championship that y'all ever gonna win. Well, that's not true. But I mean. I I like the guy, but that's what he did. uh, He quit. But uh, I mean, if you quit, you're a quitter. He didn't quit. He retired. Oh no, he didn't retire. He quit. Yeah, he retired. Joined the good life, and then he's going to enjoy the better life on Jerry Jones's yacht. He he did not retire, and he's not going. Why would he go to the Cowboys? You know, he enjoyed. He enjoyed. No, it's not. He's from Illinois. Um, No, his home is the Chicago Bears. And he's not stupid enough to go coach the Chicago Bears. Um, the the he enjoyed a run in New Orleans where the owners left him alone and allowed him to do things the way he wanted to do. Why would he go handicap and play with two with a hand behind his back under Jerry Jones when he's already been there and he knows how that works? And so, I mean, it's just I don't believe it. I've never believed it. He's a he's a cowboy at heart now. Uh, I want to switch the switch gears and uh, now I heard a, a pretty interesting team that Juan Soto uh, might go to. Uh, that's the Padres. Uh, they saying uh, I think I was listening to, uh, to Tim Kirch and uh, on the pre uh, the pre show for the home run derby. And he uh, he had mentioned that uh, the Padres uh, might be one of the teams that might trade for him. Uh, but I don't think he's going to end up going to the Mets because I don't think the, the Nationals would be stupid to trade him to a, a division four, you know, I mean. But they are the Nationals, you know. That's why they where where they at. But I heard the Mets. I heard the Dodgers. Not the Mets. The uh, Padres. The Dodgers. Uh, but the Padres already you know, spending all the, wasting all this money that they gave to Tatis, so I, I don't know how they're going to do that. Right. Uh but I mean, it would be nice if y'all can pick him up. I mean, I don't think the Yankees are gonna uh, to pick are gonna pick him up. They need to worry about uh, Aaron Judge at the end of the season paying him. But I think Aaron Judge is gonna is gonna walk at the end of the season, go with another team, maybe the Mets. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, it's just a matter of time before Sean Payton uh, is sipping a few keep, margaritas keep, on keep Jerry dreaming. Jones' yacht. Keep dreaming, the Cowboys. All right, keep dreaming. All right. All right. All right. Take care. (laughs) Look, I mean, you can't ever say anything is impossible, but this idea that 
he's this big lifelong cowboy. I mean, it's just not true. He, he started coaching with the Giants. He's a he grew up a Chicago Bears fan. He played in a replacement game for the Bears. He he, he, he I mean, he's he coached a few years in Dallas, but that's all a myth that like he grew up like he's his lifelong cowboy fan. It's not true. Um. Now the poor, the poor Bears. Man, it, can you um? You know they got a lot of football fans out there, and they're very excited right now about you know college football fans, NFL football fans. Can't wait for the NFL season to start. If you are a Chicago Bears fan, can you really be excited for this season to start? I mean, it looks just – I don't know that it looks as bad as the Houston Texans season looked, the prospects of the Houston Texans season looked a year ago right now. But it looks close. And the Houston Texans actually performed better than most people thought. I think a lot of people thought they were going to go winless or thought they had a great chance of going winless. And they won games, and they could have won more than they actually won. So, like, they competed to the end in quite a few games last season, the Texans. They performed at a – it would not surprise me if the – and and that was with all that controversy constantly around them. And all the Deshaun Watson distractions. So it would not surprise me if they're pretty good. Like Mike Florio keeps trying to get Jimmy Garoppolo there. But I think they like Mills. I think they do. And I I think they're going to give him a chance to prove that he can be their long-term quarterback. Why can't he be? Not saying the guy's going to be great. But um, I I think the Texans will be even... I mean, everybody thinks they're going to be better than they were last year, I think. But I think they'll even be a little better than that. I don't think they're going to have a winning season or anything. But I think they're going to be a little better than people think. But the Chicago Bears, I mean, it just looks dreadful. The prospects of their season, just dreadful. Awful place to play football in an awful, just ugly division. Ugly roster, just oh, there's no. If I'm a Chicago Bear fan, that's got to be really, really depressing. Especially if you're like a Cubs fan too. The Cubs are awful this year, and then the you have no prospects in the football season. Just awful. Whew, poor them. All right, we'll take a time out. Come back. Finish out the first hour next. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 20th, 1986. Greg Norman wins his first major at the Open Championship with an even par score, five strokes clear of Gordon J. Brand. That was this day in sports history. 
We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Want to remind you, tomorrow is the last day to get eligible for Astro giveaway number three. Again, I mentioned it yesterday. Every day it seems to get be a dicier and dicier matchup. Astros will be playing the Seattle Mariners Saturday, July the 30th. You could win four tickets to that game, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday evening. Not only are the Seattle Mariners the hottest team in Major League Baseball with 14 straight wins, uh, those who watched the home run derby last night or maybe have a little better glimpse of what Hannah and I have been trying to tell y'all since the season opener, that Julio Rodriguez is the next superstar in Major League Baseball that no one knew about coming into the season. He put on a show last night, and unfortunately he's in my division. But should be lots of fun Astros Mariners on Saturday, July 30th. But you can't win if you don't join the clubhouse the game clubhouse today do so astro weekend getaways powered by butcher air conditioning la meridian houston downtown and the game southwest louisiana's sports station all right the saints will be trying out usfl offensive mvp and running back darius victor who actually had a tryout five years ago with the saints didn't appear in any regular season games he 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 was the um he led the league in with 15 rushing touchdowns for the New Jersey Generals this past USFL season. I didn't watch any of the USFL, so I can't say I've seen him. I do vaguely remember his name from 5 years ago being in camp. Uh great name Darius Victor, but uh, I don't really think he's going to make the team or anything like that. But you might as well throw. It's a neat area, so you might as well throw as many darts on the board as possible and hope one of them sticks. So just a note to tuck away in the back of your mind. We might see him in a preseason game somewhere down the road or people talk about him. That'll do it for this first hour. Another hour to follow on the game, 1037 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome. Back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in now, this is the last segment to do so. We'll be talking SEC football with RP3 from Atlanta in the next segment, and then Astros baseball with Michael Schwab after that. So this is... The last segment to get in, if you would like to, and again, the game hotline is 706-0111. All right. 
Lots of we talked a little bit of baseball, a little bit of NFL. The Deshaun Watson thing. I'm still trying to process that, how that works in my mind. Him suing the NFL if he gets suspended for the year. I wonder if the NFL would not do it to avoid. That doesn't seem like an NFL thing to do. Someone threaten you, and then you to avoid the controversy, you give in to their demands. Eh. If he didn't get suspended for the year, they're going to face a lot of grief in in uh, the court of public opinion. It's going to be a PR disaster. Um, how, you know, again, how that works in terms of. You know, the legal side of it, uh, it's a mess, whichever way you look at it. Other interesting NFL news is Leonard Fournette apparently showed up, is apparently weighing like ballooned and looks more like Eddie Lacy these days than he looks like Leonard Fournette in the 260-pound range. Um. How quickly can he get into game shape? You know, I don't know. That's that's. I'm not saying guys, all guys did that back then, but that's more of like the NFL used to be generations ago. You say, why did they play six preseason games when I was a kid? A huge reason for that is that Back then, guys weren't making all this money, and they had off-season jobs, and they showed up to camp to get in shape. Well, today, you're supposed to be working all year. You get a lot of money, so you don't need an off-season job, and you're supposed to be in shape when you show up for camp. That's the expectation. And uh, and so apparently, they're not Leonard Fournette, just like Makai Becton with the Jets, are not the most popular names around their respective front offices right now because, you know, the talk is anyway that they're showing up to camp not in shape. Speaking of the Jets, <clears throat> Brees Hall, the second-round running back out of Iowa State, who I and a lot of other people were very high on, and, and, and you know, the Jets had a great draft. He's holding out. So we'll see. We'll just monitor that and see how long. He wants more money, more guaranteed money, even though he's not a first-round pick. <clears throat> and so we'll see how that plays out. It is um, you, you, That would not be good for the Jets if that lasts long. Now, running back's a position you might get a, uh, better get away with missing some time with. But it's still, as a rookie, you don't want to miss too much camp. So we'll just... That's just something to put on a shelf and monitor and see how that plays out. All right, let's go to the game hotline and talk to Jay. Hello. I wonder if we will hear if we will hear if we will hear from Troy uh, about the Texans admitting guilt. You know, hey, they settled. That must be that's 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 admitting guilt, right? They settled since they settled. That's what, according to Troy, uh, 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 when Deshaun and this camp settled. You know, that's the first thing he said. Oh, that means, uh, you know, if you settle, you're admitting. Huh? That that, mean, that don't mean that. But okay, if you feel if you say so. 
But do you have the same energy for one of these franchises? No, I'm sure it's not his team. He doesn't follow the Texans. But, of course, you know, uh, it's the team. Though. Uh, they're billion, they're billionaires. Who, uh, I can't really go out to him. But, hey, I can go out to Sean Watson. I can go out to one of these players. You know what I'm saying? But, hey, and that's, if that's the case, and that's what I'm saying, man. What did he <laughs> – what, what? How many games? He shouldn't get. To me, he should get at least one game. He shouldn't get. We, we talk about sixteen games, seventeen, whatever. Not nah, this man should. Matter of fact, reality, he shouldn't get not one game. But of course, he's going to get some games. And if that's the case, how many draft picks the Texans should lose? How many are you thinking? They should lose a first round or a second round? Well, right, because that's what, that's what's going to happen. That's I mean, gonna, I get settled. If I get suspended, they need to lose a draft pick or two. I mean that, that 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 would be fair if they really say they're complicit in all of it. Look, you know, I know it's a different, a little bit of a different error. I think Ben got six games. He's gonna have to get at least that. Sean Payton lost the whole season for lying. That situation was a little bit different. Man. We could not compare that situation with, with uh, Ben Roethlisberger to Deshaun Watson. That is a whole different situation, and you know it too, man. You know what I mean? This wasn't some man out in a, in a bar. Just you know, this was a a setting, a private. Hey, like I said, I'm not gonna go go into that. We act all we act all so holy when it comes to stuff like this. We know stuff like this goes on. We know some of these men have open marriages. They get caught in this and that. But we, I, I just hate this fake. This is oh, you know, we so morale, whatever, man. You know so, what I'm so, you think, so you think? So you think? You think he should get no no game? Like I said, I know he's going to get some games. Technically, he's going to get at least eight. They're going to try, you know, like you said, Ben Rosenberg got six. They're going to try to get him eight. They're going to appeal. Who knows? He might get to six, but uh, who knows, man? It's taking, it's taking a long time, man, for them to make a decision. I, I thought, I, I'm sure, you know, like with anything else in this society, I'm sure they're going to drop it on Friday evening. <laughs> yeah, well, that's going to probably happen, yes. So, so um, I don't know, man, but I'm just um, – I'm, you know, I'm gonna stay by the radio today, man. I'm gonna stay by the airways or by my cell phone. And I'm gonna hear see if I hear Troy voice. Uh, voice. All right. Like, I don't know what it is. Why, why I'm having a problem that putting his name with a combination of anything. But uh, yeah, I, that's why I want to. I want to hear his voice on the radio today. Coming at the Texans, but of course, I'm not gonna hold my breath. But anyway, thank you. All right, take care. Um, you know, the Texans certainly don't look good coming out of that situation either and you know to if they're going to be equitable then if they really find the Texans if they really find the Texans complicit in whether you agree or disagree with it if they really find the Texans as enablers into behavior that you're suspending someone for a year for, if that's the case, well then yeah, it would it would make sense that they could they should lose draft picks. They should get some sort of um league discipline as well. I mean, I think that's fair. If you're gonna if you're gonna say they were complicit in enabling this and you're saying it was so bad that we're going to suspend the player a whole year for, then I could I could buy that they should get damage as well. Man, the Texans, they're a mess. But 
I really do think on the field they're going to be a little better. But right now, you know, their front office over the last two years could do just about anything. And and you and you it will it really surprise you? I I, I don't know. Just bizarre. And so again, I'm I am like many of y'all just kind of sitting back and wondering <clears throat> how that's going to play itself out. I think the court of public opinion, the national most of the bulk of the national media, and this, you know, the um, this isn't really domestic violence, but it is women involved that that, you know, we've been people have been watching how the NFL handles that for a long time. I, I'm just going to be surprised now if it's less than a year. It, it and and then if they do sue, how all that's going to play out. I don't know. That's going to be. It's going to be interesting to watch for sure. I still say from a pure football standpoint, even if it's a whole year, the Browns are okay with it. Now, they're not happy about it, but I think long-term they still have a young, talented quarterback who, let's say he doesn't play a whole game, doesn't play another game until 2023, he's still going to have the vast majority of his career, as long as he stays healthy, of an elite quarterback. And they've been waiting for that for you could argue six decades. So why not wait one more year? What's one more year when you've been waiting six decades for an elite quarterback? So I still think they're okay with it. Obviously, they're hoping he only gets eight, 10, 12 games and plays some. Uh, I just don't know if that's going to happen. We'll wait and see. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's take a timeout. And when we come back, we will connect with RP3 in Atlanta, talk SEC football from SEC Football Media Days with our friend RP3 next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time for us to head out to Atlanta for the event that just means more. Here is the game's SEC Media Days report, presented by Bordelon Furniture and Rope Soap and Dope. All right, we have with us RP3. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I, I survived the first day and the first night, footsie. So uh, I woke up this morning and I was able to do my show. So it's a win, brother, because SEC Media Days is an absolute circus. All right, so I think I saw evidence that you have eaten since we last spoke a, a good Chick-fil-A meal, which is good, correct? <laughs> yeah, I went with the number one extra pickles large uh, with a, uh, a nice beverage. Yes, that's what I went with. All right. I like the extra pickles. I, I had a few dill pickles yesterday. I, I'm a big pickle fan, so I'm, 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 I'm good with that. All right. LSU... Spoke, spoke yesterday and coach Kelly um you know you know he's had some silly things go on do, do, do you get a sense of uh do you have a better sense of how he's going to handle things from a leadership standpoint after yesterday's speech you know uh, Kevin it was one of the first things that he addressed when he took the podium someone asked him about uh building the relationships 
And in his response, he said, look, this is a two-way street. You know, I'm having to earn their trust and my staff is having to earn our players' trust. But, you know, they're going to have to earn our trust as well. And he made sure to make it a point to point out that, you know, one of the players that he's already earned trust with is Kayshawn Butte, of course, the former great Westgate high track and field football star who's a record-setting wide receiver now at LSU. And, you know, he mentioned the fact that Kayshawn's going to wear number seven, right? And, you know, that's part of the trust process. They're building a relationship with him. Also, he mentioned Miles Brennan building a relationship up with him, which I found interesting that he named those particular guys, in particular Miles. Now, do I think that indicates that Miles Brennan is going to be the starting quarterback for LSU? I don't know. I think there's going to be a legit competition. But the fact that he mentioned Miles and about developing relationships and leadership and everything like that was interesting to me. And that was the first question he, he answered uh, when he took the podium after making his opening statement was about building trust. And look, he's coming into a situation, Kevin, where the roster was depleted, where things, you know, you, you had the greatest season in national in college football history, one would argue. And then the program went to nothing. Right. It, it, it completely went off the rails for Coach Ed Orgeron and company. So uh, he's having to earn the trust and develop a relationship with players he did not recruit, guys he did not go after, guys he doesn't know. It, all reports are, including talking with Jack Besh that I did yesterday for an interview that's going to be played on tomorrow's RP3 and company. He said, look, you know, they came in and they're establishing and, and simple things like he's organized Kevin he there's a structure there's a vision guys are being held accountable those are things that were missing the last couple of years and at Orgeron and Jack Besh even talked about that that you know Brian Kelly comes in he's, he's talking to you he has a vision this is what we're going to do so forth and so forth and like for Jack they're going to move him completely to wide receiver it's not going to be a hybrid role he's not going to have to figure out one week am I playing tight end am I playing wide receiver he knows exactly what he's supposed to do. I think that's going to go a long way with LSU being far more competitive this upcoming season. Will that result in more wins? I don't know. I still think there's talent is a little below where the rest of the SEC is at right now. But the fact that he's creating structure and college kids need that more than anything, I think speaks volumes about where he wants to take the program. You know, Jack is one who is very aggressive and he's always been, you know, kind of says what's on his mind. So was he pretty subdued yesterday? I'm sure they coached him up on what to say and not to say. You know, I was surprised Jack was brought. I mean, he's a true sophomore, right? Right. Typically for media days, you're bringing the (laughs) elder statesman, right? You're bringing your, your upperclassmen to the party. I think that speaks volumes of how Brian Kelly feels about Jack Besh and what Jack's bringing to the table as well. You know, he had a great year as a freshman on a, let's be honest, a bad team, a mediocre team. Obviously, Brian sees something in what Jack does, how he conducts himself. And look, you and I have covered Jack for years from his high school days. Stands up. He's a straightforward kid, right? Hard worker, accountable leader played multiple sports, obviously both for Jim Hightower and Danny Broussard winning state championships in both of those sports. I'm not surprised knowing Jack that he would be here. I thought he'd, I think he's, uh, I thought he was a year too early when I first heard it. 
But the fact that that's one of the three guys that he brought is not a guy that's going to be drafted this year. It's not a guy, you know, coming off in, you know, all world season. Jack had a very good season as a freshman. I found that interesting that he won on Jack. And it feels like Brian Kelly's very direct, right? That's part of his way of organizing things. He's not bombastic. He's, you know, he's going to be very direct with you. This is my vision. This is what I expect. I think that type of coach is something that Jack's had in the past, in particular at STM. So he's going to respond well to that. So that tells you once again, kind of gives you a glimpse, just a, a small glimpse, Kevin, of the dynamic between Brian Kelly and the players is that he's a straightforward, straight shooter, kind of direct guy who's very structured. I think the guys are responding to that. Absolutely, and uh, I'll say again, I still cannot believe Ed Ogeron was ever the head football coach at LSU. But anyway, um, uh, we'll move on. Did you get any sense of any kind of roster or team? I mean, you you kind of indirectly talked about the quarterback just from, from what you've heard or beat writers, or I mean, do you have any sense of uh, how have, have any decisions been made roster wise or starter wise for the LSU yet? None, none. There's not. There's not a peep about it. Kelly did not show his hand in that regard. Well, once again, he mentioned Miles, but he further was asked about the quarterback situation. And someone brought up the question to him, and I wrote about this for the website uh, at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com about how when he took over at Notre Dame, he was inherited. He had a new quarterback when he took over and had to revamp the offensive line. And they're like, well, you know, this seems a lot, you know, very similar to what you're having to do now where you're taking over and you lost the starting quarterback and you're having to reshuffle the offensive line. They only have one returning starter across the O-line, but the O-line wasn't good the last two years anyway. So they could be better uh, with subtraction anyway in that regard. But he was asked about it. He said, well, actually – he feels that it's a better situation for him right here, right now. That is a that the quarterback situation in particular was better is better now for him than it was when he took over at Notre Dame. And he mentioned all the guys. He mentioned Miles Brennan. He mentioned the Arizona State transfer. He mentioned Garrett Nussmeyer. He mentioned Walker Howard. Okay, he mentioned them in the press conference. I think it's going to be a four. Look, I think Walker Howard is the future LSU quarterback. Kevin. I think their game plan is to redshirt him and to groom him to be a guy that's going to be a starter for two, three years for them moving down the road. That's what I feel like they're going to do with him. Unless he just unless he just dazzles and beats out everyone during camp. I think it's between the Arizona State kid, Brennan, and Nussmeyer, who's going to be the starting quarterback. I think it's going to be a wide-open competition there. You're going to have to figure that out. I think he's happy with – maybe happy is the wrong word – I think he's content where the offensive line is, but they're going to continue developing that unit. The other thing that is going to be a big concern that was actually brought up, and he he commented on it, but something that we haven't discussed a lot leading up to the season is, you know, we focus on the quarterback. We focus on the offensive line. What about the, the secondary? They don't have any experience. There's, there's no guys coming back to anchor the back end of the defense, and LSU's known as DBU. Yet, that's going to be another big question mark for this team. But as for any indicators of who's going to be doing what, you know, who's got the leg up in the quarterback competition or anything like that, no. Brian Kelly played it close to the vest, did not reveal a single thing during his media day. 
uh, during his conversation with the media up on the podium or all along Radio Row. All right, so Lane Kiffin, it didn't sound like he said anything um, outrageous, which is a little unusual for him. And so is this going to be like, with all the hype, this is going to end up being a very subdued SEC media days, isn't it? You know, as as subdued as it possibly is now, the wild card in that is going to be Jimbo Fisher, who closes out media days on Thursday, right? So that's the one that could, you know, uh, run off at the mouth, so to speak, and and cause a bit of sensation. Saban was pretty straightforward with his stuff today. Um, You know, he, he says nothing but says it like he's saying something, which Nick does extremely well, better than most. But, you know, I did find some things interesting what Lane had to say, you know, he brought up about the NIL thing and saying, look, you're, 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 you're paying for players. And, and this is the world that we're living in. And you're going to lose out on guys. I'm paraphrasing here. You're going to lose out on guys because they're getting an NIL deal with another school. This is the world we live in. Um, you know, he cracked a couple of jokes about, you know, having to talk about, you know, Nick Saban and like, you know, Kirby Smart. Every time you come with the SEC media days, you got to talk about uh, Nick and everything like that. But it was pretty straightforward for all intents and purposes. Um but, you know, also found Lane was very forthcoming. And, you know, I had a conversation with someone after we wrapped up day one and Lane came up in the conversation. They said, this may be the most mature version of Lane Kiffin we've ever seen. Now, will that result in Ole Miss being a contender in the SEC West? Maybe they have to figure out their quarterback situation after Matt Corral. But, um, yeah, I mean, Lane did not stir the pot. He was pretty straightforward, uh, pretty honest, actually. And he had fun, right? He signed a mustard, a bottle of mustard for a fan in the lobby. And, you know, he wore Lane Train socks on stage and he wore some, you know, very brightly colored Jordans. He still had fun. He's still Lane Kiffin, but he was definitely a more mature and subdued version of the Lane Train. All right. Well, we know we got you got to go hunt down another Chick-fil-A sandwich here. So we'll let you go. (laughs) And we appreciate um, the report, sir. Thank you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, RP3, talking about SEC Media Days from Atlanta, the College Football Hall of Fame, all brought to you by Borderline Furniture. want to remind you, if you would like to win an Apple Watch, you need to go and join the brand-new game text club by simply texting GAME to 283-8100, text GAME to 283-8100. That will allow, make you eligible to win an Apple Watch, as well as all kind of other prizes, including Astro tickets. The Game Text Club. Find out more by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. All right, we'll take a time out. We'll be talking Astros baseball with Michael Schwab on the other side of this timeout on the game, 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
Want to remind you, you need to join the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. If you do that, you could win all kind of great prizes, including Astro tickets that like we talked about earlier, as well as a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. Can't win any of these great prizes unless you join the claim the game clubhouse. So do so today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, we have with us Michael Schwab, who is really following, I'm sure, the All-Star game and the Astros as they go into the All-Star break and come out of the All-Star break uh, with a brutal schedule to face, uh, Michael. I'm, I don't know how you are, but I was, you know, not real happy with the defense that's been played by the Astros for the last week and a half. Good morning, Kevin. How's it going? I agree. It's really not something that we're used to in regard to what we've seen with the Astros, who have some of the best fielding percentage for a defense, but they've made some pretty kind of ludicrous plays along the way. Jeremy Pena, who has been pretty great in what he's been doing at the shortstop, especially in part of Korea leaving, has had some errors, which Korea had a lot of errors last year as well. That's not the biggest worry, but I, I think what it looks like is they're coming off a really busy schedule. You can tell they're tired. Yes. And one of the first things that fall is just that things just start falling by the wayside in regard to how smooth you are, and defense is one of those things that falls. The catcher, it's been a sieve lately. Like, I mean, I call him Candy uh, Martin Maldonado. I mean, he 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 can't he can't even block balls. He's had pass balls. Corey Lee, the ball just goes right past him. I mean, the catching situation, it's been a sieve back there. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, it's it's you know, watching the game, um, the last game they played, there was a ball that got loose that got a runner uh pass to the second and it was actually a wild pitch. It wasn't a pass ball. So it's just kind of like everything's not really in sync. Like there's balls getting by them. There's wild pitches. It seems like they all just need to kind of calm down a bit and, and really enjoy this rest. But, you know, when you're not scoring as many runs as you did last year or even in years before, it's a very tight, tight uh, spot right there that you can't allow anything to happen. And, so the A's, they should be scoring at least 10 runs against them. They're just not doing it. So um, it seems the schedule's getting them. They're about to hit an even more brutal schedule coming up with a doubleheader coming up on Thursday for the Yankees. And then right then, going all the way to Seattle and then Oakland for on the road. So you just hope that this break is what they needed to get everything together. Have you ever, and we're going to get to some speculation here real quick, but have you ever, to me... There have been stretches where this hadn't been the case. But for the most part, going all the way back to 2017, this team always, for the most part, hits better on the road than they do at home. And it's not like the dimensions in Minute Maid Park are all that other than like center field and deep left center. Have you ever come up with a theory as to why this team does not hit better at home? I think a lot of it has to do with even how they play against sub-500 record teams. They play in high-intensity moments. They always play up to the challenge. When they play lesser teams, they play down to the challenge. I think when they're on hostile environments, such as being on the road, they do that. 
they go out and do it. And look at the 2019 World Series where they won all their games at National Field. Like, right. They didn't win any game at home. But that's the funny thing about it. It's just that they, it just seems that the intensity always steps up when they're facing adversity and boos and anger. And they were getting booed before the, the scandal. It's just how baseball is. People are angry, and you know that's why they play so well at Yankee Stadium. They can take on the hard fans. They can take on the hard moments. They're clutch like that. It's just when they get home, maybe they just, <laughs> I don't know, maybe they just feel uh, more comfortable there. And it's a great hitting part, too. And, you know, just to jump back in the scandal, uh, in 2017, they hit better on the road. Yes. So even absolutely. when they were going through the whole sign stealing thing, they still hit better on the road. Uh, uh, it actually made them worse at home. So right. it's been a problem forever. I don't really know what the problem is. I, I think it, like you said, my theory must be playing up to competition. All right. So let's get the Juan Soto thing out of out of the way first. So in terms of what your perception of the Astros would do, and you personally, your personal opinion, is the obstacle to, to put, and I don't think they're going to sign Juan Soto or trade for Juan Soto, but would the obstacle be the money that it would take long-term to, to sign him, or would it be what you have to give up for him to get him? So I think it's more along the lines of what you'd have to give up, because Soto He's got about, I think, two and a half years left on his contract before he wants a really big one. Uh, and and those, those are prime years. I mean, 2023 and 2024, you can get him in the ALCS for three years. This year, next year, the year after that. That's great stuff. And just know that in 2025, you're not going to give him this 10-year, $500 million contract. That's fine. You're getting a, a, a long-term rental. But you're giving up pretty big pieces. I think the only thing that would move the needle is getting Kyle Tucker in there and putting him in Washington, D.C. And mm. I just don't think the Astros can give up a talent like Tucker, who's probably going to join the 30 home run, 30 steal club this year. Uh, he's also a great defensive talent. So I, I, I'm going to say it's not, you've got to make the call because Juan Soto for three years can do incredible work. Um, but I do think they will trade for Soto. Gregory Soto, the reliever for the D- Detroit uh, Tigers. That's what I think. So there could be a Soto trade, just not one. So so would you be okay? Like one of the trade rumors that, that you, I saw online was uh, Javier and McCormick and three of the top four draft picks. I mean, draft um, two or three of the top four prospects like Brown and Lee and, and Leon. Do you think that's even a realistic trade? I think that's definitely still a realistic trade. It's just there's a, uh, a website where you can do these trade simulators, and they kind of a, a associate a value with each person. And even when you put all those names in, it still doesn't move the needle. You have to put someone like Tucker in there uh, for a team to even consider it. I mean, you're losing. They still have Soto for three years. You're going to look at teams like the Yankees, of course. The, you know, you're going to look at the Dodgers, who have a stronger prospects. Uh, you know, farm that they can do something with it. You know, like we can make it happen. No question. The Astros can make that, that trade. It's just that it's going to decimate the farm even more for three years. Right. And so when you, if you look at the draft and what just happened, they took all college kids, the first 10 picks. What that says is that they are needing to build up 
now instead of later. That's why I know high school kids were taken and a lot of outfielders and pitchers. So they're worried about their farm system. They'll build it back up, especially from a good draft like this, it seems. But it would make more sense for them to go after a great left fielder with not knowing what's going on with Brantley, like a Benedetti or even an Ian Happ, instead of just trading everything away for someone like Soto. All right, so I'm I, I don't know where you are on Myers, but I, I just I just don't see him as a long the solution for this season. I first of all I think he's going to get hurt again, and, and he just uh, I'm just I'm not so, I'm I have zero confidence that he's going to make a big defensive play and not mess up in in the postseason from a defensive standpoint. So what is the likelihood you think they they go out and try to acquire a center fielder of some kind? Well, I mean, here's the thing. You know, you have one of the best defensive outfielders right now on the team, and it's Kyle Tucker. And you could put him in center field like you did during the World Series in Atlanta. That's not the option that's the most necessary right now. I think the goal is to find a center fielder. Do you go get Cedric Mullins? Do you go get Brian Reynolds? The thing is that the, the options are not that great in regard to a good hitting center fielder. If you really want someone who can do the work, I think Jose Siri is right there who can do the defense. It's just that they need a bat more than anything, especially with not knowing what's going on with Brantley. They've had issues with injuries with Pena. Um, you got to have top six hitters right there and just be okay with six through nine being, or excuse me, seven through nine just being okay. It, I agree with you, Kevin. I think Jake Myers is a great prospect. I think he does have great defense. It just seems like he's always getting hurt and it seems like he has a feeling in regard to what he can do, where there are some people on other teams who really can do good work. I mean, you look at who we drafted just lately, uh, the kid out of Tennessee, and he already has more intangibles to be able better, I think, than what Jake Myers is. It's just Drew Gilbert, which is his name, is probably a few years away. So I don't know the confidence they have in someone like Myers. I don't think they have that player. I don't think it's Pedro Leon either, who's a prospect. Um, you just kind of have to look at the market and see who you get, who can be there for many years, great defense, and also you know, just you need a five-tool player. That's what you're looking for. All right. So what what am, am I hearing that Brantley is going to be out for an extended period of time? Are you starting to get that concern, that, that issue? I mean, I am worried about it. No question. There's been no information from the team. There's been no rumors or anything about what's going on. The last thing that we did hear um, was that, you know, they saw something they didn't like and he flew home to Houston to get it looked at. We're dealing with a shoulder issue that he's had multiple surgeries on, uh, which is never a good thing. And if he does come back, they're going to be very careful with him. Maybe they'll play him at DH more. So you'll see Jordan out, Jordan out and left a little bit more. The thing is that they're trying to get to the playoffs and they need to get through, you know, hot summer July and in August to get there. So they need someone out there and left. We just don't know what's going on with him. My hope is he's back. Maybe we see him in mid-August, but, you know, he's just been on the 10-day IL just chilling there and he's barely swinging. So it's pretty kind of concerning about what's going on with him. Do you expect Castro back, or could they go get a catcher? See, that's another thing is we don't know the story about Castro either. He's having a knee issue. 
I, you know, they got Corey Lee, uh, Luke Berryhill, who's on there in the prospects. Uh, he just injured his finger. Uh, maybe they find someone as a backup catcher out there who can help. But I, I, I think you and I have talked about it with Candy Malnado. No one's going to replace him. He's going to be your number one guy through the entire playoffs because of his ability of leadership and calling. And he still does have great defense. I just, like you said, these past balls have been more of an anomaly than what's truthful. So I, I think they could pick up a, a catcher. I just don't think it's going to be Wilson Contreras, who's one of the top catchers, hitting catchers right now. It's going to be a backup because they just don't feel confident in Corey Lee. Let me ask you, uh, is Sean Murphy's a guy I do not like facing. Do you think there any way the A's give him up? Like, they trade well, everybody. Mean, they're, they're, they're having a fire sale. Right. So, I mean, they could they could trade Sean Murphy, no question. It's just, what are we willing to give to him to, to get a player like him? Uh, you know, I think his hitting's fine. You know, is he going to is he a highest ceiling just as Corey Lee? But um, it's really what you want to do. The, the A's right now are just a mess, and they're just trying to get rid of everyone they can. Because I, I, who knows what they're doing? They're definitely going to Vegas. So yes, <laughs> maybe yeah. you maybe you take Murphy. Yeah. I, I I like him. All right. I, I think the big, you know, all those are big decisions. But to me, and maybe you know more about this situation than I do, I think the biggest decision the Astros have to make is, do they think from what they see that there's a chance that Yuli Gurriel is going to be the Yuli Gurriel that he was in the 2020 postseason where him and Bregman were just albatrosses on this team. And if they were even major league level hitters that year, the Astros would have made that World Series as well. Or is he going to be more like he was last year come um, September and October? I mean, that's the problem that we're seeing right now. I mean, if you look at someone like Yuli Gurriel, he is starting to step it up of lately. And that's what we were hoping for. That's the player that we're all used to, the one who won the batting title last year. I mean, if you look at his numbers in July, he's already stepping it up. Um, I mean, he's hitting 300 in July. His on-base percentage is 350, which is great. Slugging 420. So, I mean, his OPS is there. Is uh, you know, he's, he's a scoop master, which we need uh, for someone at first for making sure the players get that ball to him. But when the playoffs come around, it's impossible to know. I mean, that's something that they need to discuss during this trade deadline. Is do they go after a first baseman or a first base DH or a left fielder first baseman that if there is any inclination of newly, you know, July's great. If August is a bummer, do you just do it and you get that first baseman because you need someone in the playoffs to help. That's impossible to know, you know. And the that's why, that, and that's why a guy like Sean Murphy. <laughs> that's why a guy like Sean Murphy, I think, would be a good acquisition because he could be your backup catcher, but he could also play first base. I think that guy's even played the outfield a little bit in his career. So I think he's a good enough bat that can help you offensively and also help you in some key defensive positions. Absolutely, I, I agree with that. I mean, right? What trades what we're going to see is versatility. You're going to see a, an outfielder who also can play in the infield. You're going to see a relief pitcher who can go six, you know, in the sixth or can be in the closer role. That's the, going to be the Astros' way is who are these type of players that can be used in all different situations because at this point in July, the team's doing great. In regard to record, 
This is the second best winning percentage before the All-Star break ever in team history. The team that was better was the 2017 Astros, which I still feel today that this team is so much like the 2017 Astros. If you want to see something crazy, and we're going to be super speculation heavy, Luis Castillo from, uh, from Cincinnati, who has been tied to Houston, he's a top pitcher right now, that would be a crazy Justin Verlander trade that would make this team even better. That's something that I'm put betting my money on. That just just watch it happen. Watch something crazy like that. Jim Crane to be like, this is the time. Let's go get Lewis Castillo. Okay, so if they that get if they something. get Castillo, does that mean they give they give Odorizzi or Javier or Akiti away in that trade? You have to. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Is so the the farm system is is the development strong, but in regard to rankings, it's not the best. You're going to have to start giving away, you know starting pitchers on the team now. That's that's Urquidy right now. That's probably Jake Odorizzi, which I'm not sure how his trade market is. Um, but, you know, you get Jake Odorizzi, who gets you four ERA for a year. That's great. Um, you're, you probably have to give up Chaz and Cormac. You're giving away starting players to get another starting player from another team. So, yeah, I, that's what's going to probably happen. Yep. It, it, well, it's going to be interesting and potentially, as you said, very, very exciting. I, I love the Soto idea. I'm all, I'm all for that for sure. Uh, I'm talking about uh, Gregory Soto. I appreciate Absolutely. All right. Yeah, Gregory. All right. Well, we appreciate your time as always, sir. Thank you very much. It could get very fun over the next couple of weeks. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Kevin. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Michael Schwab from the Juice Box Journal. Great job. Appreciate his insight and speculation, and uh, I'm all for Gregory Soto. And I'd be for Luis Castilla, too. I just don't know how it's going to trake out in terms of what they have to give back. We'll keep an eye on that. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show next on The Game, 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You know, there's a lot of talk that the Tigers general manager is going to get fired. So if that happens, I wonder how that plays into, you know, what kind of trades the Tigers may or may not make. And, um, I wonder after the Tigers traded Verlander, which obviously the people in Detroit, now that they see what Verlander's still doing, are not too happy. I wonder if they're if they are a um, more or less likely to trade with the Astros. But I'm all for getting Greg Soto. Look, I I think the Astros bullpen is fine, but you can you can never have enough bullpen arms. You you just can't, especially left-handers. Uh, the Astros. I just don't know where Maton is right now. He's just something he did great in the postseason last year, and I appreciate everything he did. But I still don't trust that guy. And um, I would be all – I like the, the Soto idea. A guy like Ian Happ I'm all for. I don't know who they'll trade for. But I think a Sean Murphy trade could work. 
Um, but you know, again, those kind of those kind of trades um, could push the, the the Astros over the edge. We'll see. Right now, they just need to concentrate on fielding their position. They hit you the ball or throw you the ball, catch it. That's what I need you to do. If they hit it to you, throw it to the proper base. It's been a clown show the last few weeks. All right, we made it through day two of the All-Star break. Appreciate all the phone calls. Appreciate RP3 and Michael coming on. Y'all have a nice day.